We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. This morning I'm going to speak for a little bit and then I'm going to stretch us out. We're going to spend a little bit of time today praying for each other. And the reason we're doing that is we're doing this series at the moment called Love Your Neighbour. In this series, we have been exploring how our church can share the love of Jesus with our community. We began with prayer, praying for others. We were encouraged to build relationship with those around us. We saw how the church doing good works could transform the world. We heard about the power of our words in preaching the gospel. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to begin to lift our faith level a little bit, that we might step out and not just pray for others, but actually pray with others, believing that Jesus can do a miracle in their life. See, we are a church that believes that miracles not only did happen, but that miracles still do. We don't necessarily see miracles each time we pray, but we know that God does answer prayer and that miracles can powerfully impress upon people that there is more to this world than what they see. Does anyone believe that this morning? There's more. God is a miracle-working God. I remember uh, praying for a, a girl. There was a group of us praying for this girl one time. And she had, well, she was born with her hips slightly bent outwards. And so she could only bend her, her feet, never went straight. They could only face outwards. And as we prayed, God did something amazing. For the first time in her life, she could stand with her feet facing normally forwards. It was an amazing thing. God is a miracle-working God. And if you believe in miracles, then actually you're not alone. Our world is open to the supernatural. A survey from 2017 showed that 60% of UK adults believe that some form of miracle is possible. Three out of five people. If you look at the stats from the US, it's actually even higher than that. But I think the UK is probably culturally a little bit closer to New Zealand. Um, furthermore, the same study showed that 72% of 18 to 24-year-olds believe miracles can happen. That was the highest number for any group. And so we might look at this upcoming generation and see that they're less religious. But what we can see is that people are open to the supernatural. They're open that there could be more than they can see. Now, for me, I'm no super Christian who sees miracles happen all the time, but I have had the pleasure of praying for people in our neighborhood. And what I found when I offer prayer to people is that people are really open to it. People often say yes more than they say no. When you meet someone at their point of need, then they're open. And they're open to God, bringing his supernatural, powerful presence into their life. And so today we want to encourage you to go and pray for others. And that sounds pretty big and pretty scary. So let's look at how we do it. So our ultimate example is Jesus. And so let's see how he did it and he, we, how we might too. We're going to uh, look in our Bibles at Mark chapter 8. We're going to read a very simple story from verses 22 to 26. It says this, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? 
the man asked, uh, looked around, which is miraculous in itself. He looked around. It's the first. Yes, he said. He said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Right, what we're going to do is we're going to see what Jesus did here and what he did in other places that we might be able to emulate some principles. And I know many of you grew up on a solid diet of three-point messages, all beginning with the letter R, so here are my three R's. We need to recognize the opportunity. We need to rely on God, and we need to respond to his spirit. Recognize the opportunity, rely on God, and respond to his spirit. So number one, recognize the opportunity. A big challenge for us, I think, is to recognize the opportunity to pray for someone. Now, the first thing Jesus did was to recognize the opportunity in front of him. We read that when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Now, that didn't take that much effort for Jesus, right? Here is a group of people... And they're begging Jesus to do something on this man's behalf. You'd be blind not to see the opportunity. Excuse the pun. For us too, there will be apparent opportunities. I had a neighbor who was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a particularly nasty form of cancer. And I was talking to him one day in our driveway. We share the same driveway and I was chatting with him. And listen to how he was doing. And I knew this was an opportunity. It was right in front of me. There was no way I couldn't have known this was an opportunity. Uh, I asked him if I could pray with him. And and on me asking, he nearly burst into tears at the idea. And he invited me inside his house, and we prayed together. It was a moving moment. It It was obvious. When someone is sick and they're right in front of us, it's obvious. That's an opportunity for us to pray. But other things are also going on in people's lives that are not so obvious. We can pray for these things too. I want you to have a think for a moment through the different types of miracles Jesus did. Jesus offered benefits to others freely and he never accepted payment. He was moved by compassion for people and led them and served them by working miraculously in all kinds of ways. In fact, if you read the Gospels, we read of about 35 different miracles And I think these can be split into four different categories. The first one are miracles of healing. When we think of God working miracles through our prayers, what we often think of is healing. And we read of this happening many times. Matthew 4.23 sums it up really well. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Every kind. It's the power of Jesus. Jesus raised people from the, do- from the dead. He made the lame walk. He cured lepers. And in the story we read today, in other places, he healed a blind man. But there were other types of miracles that Jesus actually performed. A second type of miracle is freeing people from demons. Sometimes this was associated with healing, but, but not usually. And most people who needed healing did not have demonic oppression. The third type of miracle was a miracle over nature. Think of Jesus calming the storm or cursing the fig tree or think of him walking on the water. 
I've got questions about that miracle. I mean, what was Jesus actually doing? Was he suspending the laws of gravity? So basically he was air walking. Or had he somehow turned that water solid? I mean, either of those are, are pretty amazing when you think about it. But Jesus could suspend the laws of nature. And then there was a fourth category, which I think is particularly relevant for us today that we might see in our world. And that was the miracle of provision. Think of Jesus giving food to eat for the 5,000, paying taxes through the fish with a coin in its mouth, propping up a business by providing a big catch of fish. It may not be obvious, but the next time you encounter someone with a need for provision, it might be plane flights that need to go perfectly. That might just be an opportunity to stop and pray with them for a miracle for God to do something definite and obvious in their lives. So we recognize the opportunity for God to meet their presenting need, but also for him to do something significant in other areas of their life, in deeper ways. Today, I want you to have a think about your neighbors, to have a think about the people in our community. What are the struggles they face? What are the joys they share? What do you want to see God do in their lives? Maybe that's an opportunity to pray for a miraculous move of God for them. So, we need to recognize the opportunity. And then we need to rely on God. Once we've recognized the opportunity, we need to pray for that person. We read in verse 23 of Mark 8 that Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? Now, we're talking about praying for others. And when we read of Jesus, it just feels a little bit intimidating, doesn't it? Jesus seems so full of faith and does something so confident. How can we imitate it? Jesus didn't even pray. He didn't even say anything. He just did something. And when you think about what he did, It's bizarre. Imagine you're the blind man. You feel Jesus lead you away from everyone else, so you've no longer got anyone else around you, so you're just walking blindly with someone who's leading you, and then he spits on you. If I were this man, I'd go, hey, dude, I may be blind, but I can still feel. Stop spitting on me. This is what people have been doing to me all my life. But one thing I love about the way Jesus performs miracles is that it's so simple. We often think for us to pray, for God to do something, that we need to be some sort of perfect Christian, that we need to say the right words or put the hand in the right place or have the perfect amount of faith. But when I read of Jesus and his disciples performing miracles, I don't see that. They do it differently every time. Sometimes it's a command. Sometimes it's more of a prayer. Often there's touching, but it's not always. What we do see is a very simple, yet profound trust that God will come through, that God will do something. See, faith is about simple trust, not elaborate righteousness. It's about us simply going, I know God's going to do something. When we pray, it opens the door for God to do that. He's the one who does something, not us. When I pray for others, there are three thoughts that are going through my head. Three things that I'm thinking. Number one is that, man, this is freaking. 
uh, honestly, I'm scared of looking like a fool. Either, either I'm going to let God down because nothing's going to happen, or um, God's going to let me down because nothing's going to happen. I, I feel that freakiness. And then the second thing I feel is, well, what happens here is not up to me, it's up to God. And then the third thing I feel is, God can do something here. And here's what I've found. The more I pray with people for miracles, for healing, the less freaky it is. And the more I simply trust and believe that God will do something in this person's life. I prayerfully believe it's going to be what we're asking for, but I believe God will do something. So when I prayed for my neighbor, when I went in and prayed for him, I didn't have a formula. I didn't have certain words that I said. All I did is said, God, you're here in this moment. And I ask for you to do something in my friend's life, for you to bring healing, but also to bring your spirit in a powerful way. Just believe. So we recognize the opportunity. We rely on God, and then we respond to his spirit. We have to be open to what God is doing or saying. And we see this through the story of Jesus. Uh, Jesus must have been listening to God to spit in this man's eyes because there's no way you would come up with that on your own, right? I've got a good idea. I know how God's going to heal. I'll spit on him. But what happens, we see, is that Jesus keeps on praying for the man. Verse 24, the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. Um, maybe he didn't feel to spit again, but that's, that's good. And his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. We too need to be attentive to the Holy Spirit through our prayers. As you pray for someone, encourage them to keep their eyes closed, ready to receive what God wants to do. Then simply ask God to move. Keep your eyes open and see how they are responding and ask for God to speak to you about what he's doing in that moment and then follow his leading. Follow what you feel the Holy Spirit is saying to you. We need to look for these opportunities in many different ways. Uh, and there is an opportunity which is not specifically about praying for people, but occasionally there is that opportunity and it's something else that we do here in the church. And it's the prison ministry that uh, Debbie coordinates. And she's going to come and she's going to share about both the prison ministry, but she's also got a really cool story about a time there was some prayer that happened there. Fantastic. Thanks, Debbie. So once a month, I go out to Rolleston Men's Prison and I help to run a service. So I go out with Harmony Church. And so my job is I pick three songs and I play a honky-tonk half-tune piano and we sing those songs and then someone brings a 10-minute devotion and then we um, pray as a group and then we talk to the men that come. So normally about five to eight men come along and the last time I went in, there were 10. You know, they're starting to, because we have only been in there for a year and so they've started to want to come and say, hey, come, it's really good, it's really good. So last time we had 10 and it was amazing because something different last time, it was just the Spirit of God was in the room and as we sang the songs, the lyrics of the songs were moving the hearts of the men in the room and as we sang the song, um, I'd give you my heart, um, 
many of the men at the end said that they were choking back tears, that they were really could feel God speaking to them through that song. And so at the end, um, one of the men said that he was um, getting out of prison soon and he was, had a lot of anxiety and fear about being back in real life. And so our team leader said, let me pray for you. And he put his hands on him and he started to pray for him and God gave him a picture for him. And the picture was of a smashed vase that was being put back together with gold so that the veins and the cracks, so all of a sudden, you know, something that was worthless was being rebuilt as something with value. And this this man, he got very emotional and he said, oh, I need to sit down. And, you know, the Spirit of God was just um, overwhelming him and he had to sit down and they kept praying together. And it's really exciting to see God moving um, in that place. And so um, there are three teams that go out, but there's actually four weeks in a month. There's actually space for another team so if you feel in your heart, like some people are just, they just feel drawn to prison ministry, maybe right now you're like, oh, that might be something. There is an opportunity for C3 to actually take a team out there once a month. So please talk to me if you're interested in that because we need one person to do a 10-minute devotion, one person to lead some singing, and the other three or four, just to talk to the men and to be friendly and to be in tune with the spirit and what's happening. So, Fantastic. Yeah, give her a hand. I really recommend that as a powerful way to make a difference in people's lives. So please make sure you talk to Debbie afterwards. But that's an amazing story about that team leader. As they prayed, they were responsive to God's spirit. And they were saying, okay, God, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you saying? And that powerful image will go hand in hand with that feeling of the spirit of God in that person's life. And they will begin to see change. They've had God uh, interact with their lives. As I prayed for that person uh, who had that defect with the hips and couldn't put their feet forward straight. We had a similar thing happen as what happened to Jesus here. When Jesus prayed, the person had a measure of healing, but not all of it. And as we prayed for uh, this young woman with the, the birth defect, she was able to move her feet around a little bit towards the front, but not fully. And so what we did is we just went, okay, God, do you want to do more? And we sensed that he did. And so we stopped and we said, all right, I'm going to pray again. I'm going to pray that, that this comes all the way right. God doesn't want to do a halfway miracle today. We think he wants to do the whole thing. And so we prayed, and we managed to see that. And we can pray again. If we pray for someone, and they go, well, I kind of felt something, but I don't think that it's fully right, I encourage you, pray again until you see it. We need to stay responsive to God and what he is doing in the situation and pray and act the way he calls us to. The more we do this, the better it will get, the more we'll be able to hear his voice. So we've recognized the opportunity. We've relied on God. We've responded to his spirit. And there's a sneaky fourth R. I didn't tell you about that at the start because everyone likes three. But I think the other thing we need to do is, is we need to reflect with the person. Once we've done all of that, we reflect. Were they healed? If so, great. Celebrate that. Uh, did it not seem like much was happening for them? Well, then I would ask, what else could God be doing? I actually find it encouraging that Jesus didn't completely heal the man first time. 
yet he was not dissuaded. Instead, he asked for feedback, and then he did something different. There might be times we pray, and it seems like little happens. But God is still doing something. One time I was at work. I worked in a greenhouse, and uh, one of my workmates uh, through the rose was, was sick, and he said, look, I'm not feeling really well. And so I decided, well, I'm going to be courageous, and this was more towards the this is really freaky part of this for me. And I just said, hey, could I, could I pray for you? You're not a Christian. You don't believe in God, but I feel a sense that I'd like to pray for you. And he was like, oh, okay, what does that mean? And so I just said, look, I'm just going to pray and ask God to bring healing to you. And so I prayed. And as I uh, prayed, uh, to me, it didn't feel like anything amazing was happening. But then I said, amen. He said, amen. And I didn't really know what to do next. And, but he said to me, he said, he said, look, I'm not sure if I feel better. But when I said, amen, something really weird happened. He said, it was like this jolt of electricity came shooting through my body. And I recognized what that was, was it was actually the Holy Spirit interacting with his life, God doing something deep in his life. See, a key sign of the Holy Spirit is a sense of love and of peace. And that was what he was experiencing. That was what God really wanted to do in his life in that moment. Think about Jesus' miracles. When Jesus did a miracle, he was often doing a lot more than just the outward miracle. Often the miracle he was doing was to bring transformation, socially, mentally, and spiritually. Think of the lepers who were no longer social outcasts because they were now made well. Think of the woman with the issue of blood who went from being permanently unclean and then became ritually clean. Think of the paralyzed man who was forgiven of his sins. Or the demon-possessed man whose deliverance also led to wellness in his mind. The truth about miracles is that they're not proofs of God. No one will walk away. Well, sometimes they will, but, but often people won't walk away from a miracle and going, I believe God is completely who he says he is. But what happens uh, is, is that there's something deeper going on. Jesus didn't refer to miracles as proofs. The only authentic proof is our belief in the resurrection of Jesus. What miracles are is they're signs. They were signs that Jesus was God. They were signs that what his kingdom was all about. And for us, they are signposts that point people in the right direction. They're signposts that show people the way to God. The truth is most people today are agnostic, not atheistic. They're open to that supernatural even if they can't put their, their finger on what it is. That's why it's so important to process with someone after you pray for them. You need word, sign, and deed. If the person experiences something supernatural, they need to be able to give a name to that power. Otherwise, they go, well, there's obviously something supernatural in this world, but I don't know what it is. They need to see that the sign that the power points to, that Jesus is the one who is reaching out for them in that moment. And as well as wanting to heal them, he desperately wants to know them. So what does that look like? When I prayed for my neighbor, I followed it up by saying, hey, we just prayed for God to come through in your life. I believe that Jesus has the power to heal you. I'm going to pray, continue to pray that what we've just prayed for actually happens. But one thing, you might begin to feel a sense of peace. In your life, you might begin to feel an extra sense that you can cope with what's happening. 
That's also God reaching out to you. And I want to encourage you to reach out to him too. And say, God, if you're reaching out to me, I want to know you. And if you want to talk about what it looks like to really get to know him, please come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about that. See it as a sign. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, sure. We don't normally do this, so please don't feel that you can, but Anna, I'd be happy for you to come and, and bring something quickly. Go for it. In the beginning of 2000, January, one, I lost my balance when walking to, to my gate. In South Africa, we have big, big gates. And I was going like this into the gate. And I just hear the Holy Spirit say to me, don't catch with your right hand. You're going to break your right, right hand. And I was having my right hand like this. And then I, I just started falling down. But something was wrong with my long, my left hand. It was hooked in the top of the gate. And I couldn't get it open. And I was falling. And I was looking and I see my, my fingers going slowly. It, it was just wrenched open. And I fell on the ground. <clears throat> and it was a horrendous pain. It was a horrendous pain. And uh, they wanted to help me. But I said, leave me alone. But eventually, 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 what happened is in your shoulder, you have a network of nerves. That whole network was torn. It was completely torn. I was in that pain for weeks. I got myself to a doctor that really was interested. And he, they just said to me, oh, we can't do anything for you. He sent me for, <clears throat> we say it's EMG, I don't know. It's like el electrodes like that that they put into you and take uh, readings on the computer. And this, neurologist, he was sitting there and he said, oh, it's a horrendous uh, uh, what do you say? <clears throat> Injury. And he was just going on like that. And then at the stage I said to him, doctor, are you joking? Or are you serious? And he turned to me and he said to me, there's nobody that will ever can help you. That whole, whole network is torn. Nobody can help you. So I actually lost my arm and my hand. And my mother-in-law, she found me every second week and asked me, Aniki, can you use your hand or a no, no, my God. 
And then we have a human feast again. The humans always have a feast. And my mother-in-law and her husband flew up to, to Pretoria and we was all there. But just that week, I was driving around in my car and Aaron's claw is this awful thing. You must just see what it looked like in your hand. You can't believe it. And I said, Lord, please, just do one thing for me. Open my hand. Because this is looking horrible. And that day, when we finished eating briflies, uh, somebody came to me and she, she said to me, your mother-in-law wants to talk to you. And I went up to her. It's a quite a big family. Uh, and uh, she said to me, which hand is that? But I had my hand like tucked into the pleats of, of, of my uh, jacket. And I just, I could move the, the small nerve that I could do this and I came around and I put my hand into her hand and she just said this Jesus please heal Aniki's hand awesome. the moment she said it my hand jerked and it couldn't jerk there was no no way it could jerk and wow. they are in a very very traditional church. That's where we all come from. Mm. And uh, then she stood up, she went back to her husband and I turned back and went to my sister-in-law and I said to her, do you know what happened? Mom prayed for me. Eyes were that big. Those people don't do it. And I said to her, but you know what? My hand moved. Mm. And she looked at me. She didn't say a word. I said, let's look. And I went like that. And I looked. And I saw my hand was coming up. Like that. And she was looking at me and she ran away. <laughs> and we went home. I didn't say a word to Johan. But when you came home, I said to Johan, you know what happened? Mom prayed for me, and my hand moved. And he was looking at me. I said to him, that's nothing. I showed to son, and I could, I could do this. And when I do this with the son, I actually, my hand was like that, and it came up like that. And when I showed your hand, my hand was going up like that. And then I was walking the whole day. And he said to me, please, just stop it. It's not... Spear uh, um, it, It's a nerve. We're not going to sleep tonight. I don't know how much I did sleep in all those weeks because I was just going, I know, I know. <laughs> but the next morning, 
I woke up, and what happened? I woke up with my hand wow. like this before my face. Fantastic. And I was shouting to him, you hand, my hand is open. He was just, he just was like bang against that wall. And the tears was just streaming awesome. over his face. And I was on that side. In three weeks' time, I could get, put the light on. That's fantastic. What a great story. <laughs> thank, thank you for sharing that. That's brilliant. Give that to Warren. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. God is a miracle-working God. And God can do amazing things in the lives of those around us. I might just have the band come up behind me. We're going to practice this in just a second. And the reason I want us to practice this is because we need to be ready. When the moments come, when the opportunities come. Uh, the other day, my friend uh, texted me and said to me, uh, hey, um, tonight we don't have enough players. Do you want to come play on our basketball team? I like playing basketball, but I haven't played a game like with a ref, a competitive game for 15 years. And I thought, I wonder whether I'm ready for this. At halftime, my lungs were screaming. My body was sore. But I had a bit of a secret weapon. Every now and then we come down here on a Saturday night to, uh, with a few people and we shoot some basketball uh, around the place. And because I'd done some practice, I was ready. I was ready enough. It was still a stretch. It was still difficult. I still have aches and pains. <laughs> but I was ready enough. And I think that's the case for praying for miracles as well. For us to be ready. We need to do some practice. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to do some practice so that when the opportunity comes, you see someone, you go, do I pray for this person? Do I not pray for them? There's five simple words you need to ask. Can I pray for you? That's only four. Uh, no, that is five. Can I pray for you? There you go. Just doing it in my head. Can I pray for you? You ask those words. And then they can say yes or they can say no. And then you respond to God. Can I pray for you? And the more that we practice, the more that we do this, the, the easier it's going to become. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.